Well, good morning, everybody. Today is Friday and the half moon, I think. So we'll begin by chanting the refuges and the precepts together. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Bhutam saranangachami Dhammam saranangachami Sangham saranangachami Dutiampi Bhutam Saranangachami Dutiampi Dhammam Saranangachami Dutiampi Sangham Saranangachami Tatiampi Bhutam Saranangachami Tatiampi Dhammam Saranangachami Tatiampi Sangham Saranangachami Panatipata Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Adina dana veramani sikapadam samadhyami Abramacharya veramani sikapadam samadhyami Musawada veramani sikapadam samadhyami Sura Meraya Maja Pamadatana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami. And for the people on the eight precepts, Vikala Bojana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami. Nacha Gita Vadita Visukadasana Malaganda Vilepana Dharana Mandana Vibhusanatana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Uchasayana Mahasayana 
Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami. And everyone together. Idam me silang magapalanyanasa pachayohotu. We're getting well into the heart of our retreat now and towards the end of the time when we'll um, stop offering instructions during this morning time. We'll still uh, respond to questions, probably usually questions from the question bowl. Um, But today I'd like to offer... Uh, some more instruction and to open up uh, a new possibility for um, our way of practicing which is uh, the practice known as choiceless attention or sometimes you might have encountered it as choiceless awareness and I'll kind of explain the, the, the nuances of that a little bit uh, in a a moment. And because so far we've been uh, emphasizing choosing an anchor, Uh, for many of us that's the breath, some some people are using the body or sounds, as a home base to which we return our attention when nothing particularly is calling us. So we've been preferencing something with our attention. Uh, At the same time, we've also drawn drawn your attention to many different aspects of experience, which of course are all going on simultaneously. So we've highlighted at times body sensations, uh, feeling tones, moods and emotions, thoughts and thinking, sounds, and most recently, intentions. So many different different possible aspects of experience that's unfolding that we could select to to give our attention. And and yet, uh, it's really helpful uh, to have, especially as we're settling into practice, to have a a single thing that we we kind of choose to come back to, the anchor. And uh, so we've been preferencing that, either a strong preference or a kind of gentle preference. And then, so when we practice with choiceless attention, we lose that sense of preferring one uh, object, the breath, for example, over 
any other object. And we allow ourselves to be mindful of any experience uh, that's arising. So attention is what highlights uh, a particular aspect of experience um, for us to for us to become aware of, like a kind of spotlight. And so if you just right now uh, notice what's happening. And perhaps notice how our our attention tends to move around from one object to another. It's a completely natural sort of experience. So I notice the sound, the air conditioning. Touch of the hands on my lap. Movement of breath in the belly. Listening, listening to see when I'm going to next say something. smile playing behind my eyes. And so in this choiceless attention practice, we just allow the attention to move freely from one thing to another. And our practice becomes to notice where the attention is landing in each moment. So we may be mindful of a sensation and then a sound then a thought, an in-breath or an out-breath. And we lose that sense of trying to control anything. We're just with the unfolding flow of our experience. But in order for this to be practiced, we actually have to be very alert to what's happening So you might have heard this uh, described as choiceless awareness, but in a sense, awareness is always happening, uh, and awareness doesn't do the choosing. And the awareness is what actually can notice the movement of attention from one object to another. So perhaps more accurate to call it choiceless attention. And it's choiceless in the sense of we're not preferring or we're not directing the attention to something specific uh, so you know you could you could kind of get into a into a, a sort of philosophical argument with yourself it actually recognizes in a way that we've actually pointed to in some of the talks that actually uh, there is a choice happening in the, the the selection of something with the attention it's like there's there's uh, intention is happening alongside the attention, but you know that is sort of beneath the radar of experience often. But what we're not doing, this is a very specific 
uh, use of the word cho choiceless, that we're not preferring or directing the attention to a particular thing. So uh, we're allowing the attention to move freely and become aware of whatever it lands on in any moment. And another way to access this practice would be just to simply ask ourselves what's happening right now. What's happening now? So without uh, using the breath or whatever we've been using as an anchor, it is easy, and it's easy when we do this practice for the mind to uh, simply drift and we actually lose touch with the present moment experience. So in order to keep uh, mindfulness steady in this practice of choiceless attention, it can be very helpful to use a light noting practice. So making a soft mental note of the experience that is predominant right now. So as, again, as I'm sitting here, sensing, touching, rising, Hearing. Swallowing. Touching. And we will quickly notice that experiences happen in such quick succession that you know, we can't note everything that passes through passes through the mind passes through experience so i think the the trick is to find a kind of rhythm of noting or noticing that is kind of easeful and also steady so for me, I tend to kind of use, use noting in this way about the rhythm of one note per breath, something like that. One note per inhale, one note per exhale. It's something that is a sustainable, easeful rhythm. And actually, mm, yeah, it's the steadiness that actually gives this the power and uh, the, the continuity that allows the mind to become really, really very settled in this practice of choices attention. So the mind can still become pretty settled and pretty concentrated through this uh, kind of being with changing objects rather than just uh, one simple object. And it's this uh, noting that can really help us stay connected to that. So sometimes our, our noting doesn't have to be particularly precise either. It's just enough to to stay in connection or, um, let's say, precise. It, it kind of, 
it needs to speak to the moment, but it's like some some things are too nebulous to really put a put a very uh, specific note on. And and by the time we've thought, what's the perfect note to capture this experience? The experience is way past. So don't get too hung up on it. It's just enough to keep you uh, in contact with experience. So sometimes we say about ninety percent of the attention can be in the experience, and ten percent only on the note. So you might uh, like to play with this in your practice. Uh, to, we can try this out now for this sitting period. And if we find ourselves becoming very drifty or confused, um, then go back to using your anchor. So I really want to stress that there isn't a superior practice here. It's not that uh, one is the beginner's practice and one is the advanced practice. It's like, which is, which is uh, keeping my, my interest and helping me, helping me steady, helping me settle, helping my continuity of mindfulness at the moment? So it, it can be helpful. Uh, you know, I, I find sometimes when my, my mind is tired or I'm, little bit hazy about what I'm doing in the practice I might start off a practice thinking okay I'm going to be with the anchor and then the mind wanders so I say to myself oh now I'm doing choiceless attention yeah Uh, that's not the best way to go about it it's good to it's good to have a clear idea what you're intending to do for now and uh yeah and just fe- feeling our way as to what serves. But we could all try with the choiceless attention for the time being. And as I say, if you find that it, you're getting confused and muddled with it, or just that the mind really wants the stability of a single anchor, then, then also go back to that. Okay, settling in. Maybe just remembering as we set our posture, also the attitude is part of setting our mental posture. This attitude of receptivity. Friendliness. Even a sense of playfulness. Taking a few deeper breaths and just invitation to the system to settle.
gently receiving the sense of the body and its still posture resting on earth. The beautiful nature of our collective intention, collective practice. Being really available to listen, to receive our experience and to, to learn. And just letting letting the attention start to float freely, we might begin with the question, what's happening right now? Staying there at the forward edge of your unfolding experience, like the crest of the wave. In a relaxed way, an unpressured way. There are no prizes for the best noter. And just lightly recognizing this experience in this moment. A soft mental note.
I wonder how that was for you, especially if you're less familiar with that way of practicing, this way of practicing. I think one of the things I find enjoyable about it is it encourages for me a sort of sense of uh, relaxed receptivity of experience. It's like I'm not trying to do so much. I'm just available to receive whatever's arising now. And then I really notice in my mind the kind of sometimes the arising of wanting to do it right and, and then recognizing that and then letting that relax a little and you know, feeling the okayness of fumbling around sometimes, not not landing on the perfect note, and also, you know, it it can be a it can be a broad brush, broad brush kind of note. So I might just note feeling, sensing, and I'm I'm very aware that the the sensation right then is in my foot, for example. But I don't have to name every aspect of the experience. So, and for each of us, it's an art finding the right pace and the the, uh, the kind of degree of detail that helps you stay connected. And then we can also notice, especially when we, we're using the noting practice, the tone of the noting that we're doing. You know, we're doing this in a gentle, kindly way or we're doing this in a very kind of yeah, uh, demanding way, punishing way. And and as I say, if, if uh, you find this is confusing or you actually just you're so enjoying being with your primary anchor, then please continue with what's uh, what's working best for you. Um, and th- this can also be a, an excellent practice to carry into the transitions between formal practices and into the into the mo- the between times. And also, um, one can do it in the walking meditation too. So. Uh, you can play with this. And I'm happy to take a few questions on this in a moment, but I also want to come back to a couple of questions that were in the basket about the intention or noticing intentions specifically. Um, So one question, is it possible to notice intention in areas other than body movement? I certainly don't ever intend to think about a thing before I do. So, yes, absolutely, one can uh, notice intention in other areas or other, uh, you know, intending to. Uh, one can in, one can sometimes notice the intention to think about something, or uh, yeah, or intending to, I mean, even before the body movement begins to do something, intending to do something, okay, setting the intention, I'm going to go and do walking meditation next, or I'm going to go and do this, or I'm going to go and do that. So one can pick up uh, intention in other areas, and it's also true that often the intention is under the radar of the experience. And one of the things, again, with the choiceless attention practices you might notice some of these kind of wellings up of of uh intention a little more and then somebody also asks that said or reflects that when working with uh being mindful of intention noticing two aspects 
So doing walking meditation with stops and watching that about to movement of being about to turn around on the path or about to set off again. And there's the kind of mental recognition, I'll step now. And then there's also the kind of the, the momentum gathering in the body towards moving. And great, excellent, excellent noticing. And so the question is, which, which bit is actually the intention, that kind of gathering of the body or the movement of the mind? I, I intend to walk now. Um, in the traditional, uh, in the classic teachings, uh, intention is said to be a mental factor. So it's the mental component of, of that uh, decision-making to walk now. But to be honest, uh, in our experience, these two things kind of often come together. And the, the person says it seems like the two are very close, like two hands on a Ouija board. Uh, and I think that, that's an excellent description. And yeah, you, could, you can tease them out. And sometimes we're just aware of the, we're more aware or we're first aware of the, the impetus in the body. Sometimes it's going to be the mind that we're more aware of. Um, so just notice that either way. It's not like one is the correct thing to notice and one is the, just be aware what you're, what you're noticing. Because actually the, the research shows, that, the, the sort of scientific research is that actually we've, we've already made the in, intention before we become consciously aware of it, which is an interesting reflection on anatta, isn't it? You know, so we just get to notice the bits we get to notice, but there's so much that's uh, going on beneath the radar of our, our awareness. And that's not our bad practice. It's the way human beings are wired. Yeah. So does anybody have a question about the choiceless attention practice from this morning? Yes. Thanks, John. Uh, I saw Nevin here as well, but okay, and then back here. It seems like I'm actually making a choice, when, and that it's not choiceless because two things arise simultaneously. Can, yeah, you, can you hold? Can you hold the mic close? Sorry. Um, it seems to me that I'm actually making a choice because two things arise simultaneously. So I am choosing one over another. Okay. Yeah, so th this is where the, the, the use of the word choiceless in this practice is very specific. It's saying I'm not choosing to direct the attention to one single object. So yes, in in any moment uh, there is a there is a choice happening. Sometimes consciously, as you're describing, or sometimes unconsciously, that the the mind is selecting a particular object, but we're not directing it. So I think you know it's good 
good to notice that there's a, there's a kind of, oh, yeah, I'm sort of following that sensation rather than that sensation or that thought rather than that thought. And then that's what we, what we notice. So actually, the, the, the value of this practice is that we get to see how one moment conditions the next. Yeah. And we get to see where we seem to be involved in that process and where that process is yeah, without any kind of uh, conscious involvement by ourselves. So we're kind of seeing the, the conditioned nature of, uh, of awareness or attention and that of experience and that we are not really in control of it, except when we are, when we're making a choice like that. Does that make sense? It's a little bit confusing. It's, it's, very, it's very debatable, this use of the word choiceless, because there's a lot of choice happening in our experience. But So we're being very specific here. This, this practice is about not preferring the one object. In my experience, um, in this way of meditating compared to the earlier preferred uh, coming back to anchor, uh, the earlier version was almost like effortful and it required like a disciplinary approach. Okay, we're going to come back, we're going to come back, we're going to come back. So when we started doing this, I noticed like, oh my God, that's great. So there's like, I don't need to come back to anything. And... But very soon I found myself, uh, my kind of future planning uh, habit or whatever, energy activated. And I, I found myself almost like finishing a project, <laughs> which was very creative. I found myself much far in advance, like uh, not only going into something, but just too many things happened uh, so I want to come back to <laughs> Yeah. Did anyone else have a similar experience? Yeah, so a few, a few people. So, you know, you've been practicing coming back to the anchor for nearly two weeks. And this is, this is maybe the first time that you're practicing this practice. I mean, some people may have already gone there already because you're familiar with it from past retreats, etc., so it's not surprising, you know, that it, it, it would take, if we're picking this up for, for the first time, maybe in this, med in this particular retreat, it, it takes some time to get into a, into a sense of steadiness with it. And this is, this is the point of the noting. We notice, okay, the mind's drifted off. Uh, uh, we, note it. we can notice thinking, we can note, note planning, and... Okay, and what happens when you catch it? So I'd be interested what happened in that moment where we notice then what, what, what arises next in awareness when we recognize, oh, I got lost. What's the next thing you notice? So it's like, I don't have to come back to the breath. I mean, it's helpful to actually say, okay, well, what's happening right now? A body sensation, a breath or whatever, but you don't have to, jump back to the primary object. And so it, if, if you find that this is happening a lot and you, you just find, okay, when I try this practice, my mind just wanders too much, 
come back to using a single anchor. But I think it, you know, it, it's okay that we take some time to get into a particular mode of practice. And also for me, like it's been, it's a journey to find out, okay, what's the supportive rhythm of noting and type of noting? And it's not even that, you know, as we as we get really settled, the noting can become very light. Sometimes it's barely even necessary, you know, because we just feel ourselves there on the forward edge of unfolding experience and the noting isn't so needed. So it's like, Uh, there is one, there are two more hands up, but I think we've got time for one question. <laughs> so uh, I saw you first. And, uh, and uh, can, we can, uh, maybe you can put your questions in the bowl and then somebody can deal with them from the back. I'll go fast and then maybe there'll be time. Um, I, that's the first time I've ever been exposed to that practice. So it, it felt a bit like bonkers in the beginning when you were describing it, but I really trust you. So I, I, just, I just stayed with that. I trust all of you, all the teachers. But then I just felt like a kid in a candy shop. It was so <laughs> delightful. Like I just, I must have asked 2 million times, what's available for me now? What's here now? What's here now? And I had so much fun with it that I, do I have to go back to the anchor? <laughs> like ever? <laughs> no, absolutely not. We're, we're allowed to have fun with our practice for sure, for sure. And, you know, when we're in the flow with it, it can be very, yeah, it's very delightful because there's a kind of alertness and a freshness and it sounds like your curiosity was really online. And that might change at some time. And, and the, the only thing is to, to, you know, we can notice when the energy gets too high around that, that it could be, become exhausting. So that's the point at which that's uh, okay. Yeah, it's just like, just become a little bit more receptive and uh, maybe the excitement subsides. But no, absolutely. I'm very happy when people are enjoying their practice. <laughs> okay, thank you. So yeah, the, the question basket is still there and we especially welcome questions that are directly related to your practice and the practice instructions. Um, so, uh, just a couple of announcements today. So, Devon is doing much better and he will see his yogis in the afternoon today. Um, so, practice with meeting, meetings with Devon. If you have a meeting with Devon, it will be this afternoon. Please look at the board. Um, uh, as you'll have noticed, the, the air filter machines that are situated around the hall here, and we'd like to ask that they be left on, and they are set to the low setting. Uh, so they, we want to have them on continuously to keep the air as uh, clean as it can be. Uh, but if they get set on the higher settings, it's quite noisy. So we've decided that this is the balance the middle way uh, so we ask that you 
uh, just let them leave them to do their thing. Uh, and then uh, I hope you all had a, a satisfactory laundry experience. If you, if that's, if it's, I don't know if it's all finished now. Um, and just a request about when you do hand washing and that you hang it on the porches to to drip or whatever. Just if you're on the upstairs, be really mindful that downstairs there may be things underneath that could get wet because the drips go through the floorboards, um, especially like people have their shoes outside and so on. So an encouragement to really wring your stuff out. But I know even if we wring it out, it still drips. So just be mindful of what's underneath you. And it might even be better to hang stuff on the on the downstairs so that there's no shoes underneath to receive the moisture. So thank you for bringing your care to that. Okay. So thank you all for being here and doing what you're doing and I hope you have a wonderful day of practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.